$92.5 billion. The mayor's executive budget plan for fiscal year 2020 released Thursday, April 25th. This brings growth in the total size of the budget to 29% since fiscal year 2014, the first year of the de Blasio administration. The city-funded budget, backed by tax revenues and other city resources excluding state and federal aid, will grow 3.6% this year, after two years of growing more than 6% each year. Welcome to our spring city budget discussion. Welcome to What's the Data Point from Citizens Budget Commission and Gotham Gazette. I'm Ben Mack from Gotham Gazette. I'm Maria Doulis from the CBC. And thanks for joining us here for our discussion of Mayor de Blasio's executive budget, as Maria indicated. And we're excited to jump into that conversation with today's guest, Yoav Gonin of The City, a new publishing platform covering city hall, city government, the boroughs, lots of great stuff coming out of the city. Welcome. Thanks for having me. And before we get to our discussion with the OAB about the mayor's executive budget, just a reminder, we've been off for a couple of weeks now since our last episode. We had a flurry of good episodes recently. Catch those if you missed them. We most recently talked to Dr. Mitchell Katz of Health and Hospitals. We talked about the adopted state budget. We talked with former Deputy Mayor Alicia Glenn. Lots of other great guests and topics in recent episodes. You can find What's the Data Point wherever you get your podcasts or at the CBC or Gotham Gazette websites. Okay, on to today. We're going to talk about that $92.5 billion executive budget plan. And I'll note for listeners, most of you already know this, but of course, the executive budget is a proposal from the mayor after the city council's response to the mayor's preliminary budget outline. It forms the basis of sort of final hearings and negotiations before a budget is adopted between the mayor and the city council sometime in June before the July 1 start of the fiscal year. So nothing we're saying today is final, but the mayor's executive budget is very close to what the final budget will be, um, of course, barring any major unforeseen incidents. But there will be negotiations and examination of that budget, and there's a lot to dissect. So, Yoav, uh, initial sort of big picture takeaways. Maria gave us a little bit, $92.5 billion, That's on the expense side. We'll get to the capital budget later. Um, but sort of broad takeaways of, of the mayor's budget plan. Sure. And, and uh, usually with the executive budget, I always tend, I guess most reporters tend to focus on what's changed since the preliminary budget. And in this case, it was uh, $916 million in savings across two years, this fiscal year and the coming one. And it was uh, didn't get as much emphasis, but there was uh, nearly $1.5 billion in new spending. Uh, the mayor did say actually say there weren't a lot of new investments in the budget, but there was a lot of new spending. I actually looked back on prior uh, executive budgets, and it was tied for the most under his term in, in, in new spending uh, with last year. Um, so From it, preliminary to executive. Yes. Interesting. Yeah. And what's, he, what's, that, what's some of that new spending on? I mean, he highlighted a few things, but they don't seem to get to that much money. I mean, you know, he mentioned sort of investment in – uh, census outreach and, you know, some other sort of 10 million here, 20 million there. Are there anything other significant expenditures that, that we should know about? Yeah. And, uh, you know, frankly, I was a little disappointed um, at the presentation. I asked about it and uh, I don't I don't 
think they were as, as upfront as they should be about the spending. It, it would have been easy to tick off the, the top things. The most obvious thing across the two fiscal years was they added $300 million for uh, tuition services for special education students who go to private schools because the public schools can't accommodate them. Um, and what's striking about that is is they had basically under-budgeted that for this year without creating uh, any obvious way to, to lower that amount. And then in the executive budget, they all of a sudden had to add you know, a significant $300 million to that. So um, it just struck me as, as maybe something they had done intentionally. You, you add other services earlier in, in the budget cycle, and then at the end you say, oh, well, we, we didn't estimate this right, and now we have to add this. It's, it's a mandatory expense. Interesting. And the mayor highlighted that he also, in between the preliminary and the executive, is the state budget. He highlighted that he was have, making some changes to the budget based on that. And he said that was about $300 million of cost shifts or or cuts to expected funding. You know, he's, he's a little bit uh, misleading sometimes when he talks about the state funding because sometimes they've budgeted numbers they're expecting to come in, but that the governor didn't necessarily put in his executive budget that they would get. Right. So, for example, even though the governor has increased school aid for, to a record level yet again this year, um, and the city will be getting more in state aid for schools, it is less than it expected in its own financial plan. So that is sort of one of these quote-unquote hits from the state. Um, right. He put $25 million or something yeah. like that under what they expected, but that's, yeah. it's not necessarily clear that those expectations were realistic. But, you know, to your point, you know, of one of the things that has become a little bit confusing, I think, in following the mechanics of this, especially throughout the budget cycle, is now we're starting to talk over two-year periods, right, where it was traditionally we just talk about what is the budget year in focus that we're trying to balance and solve the puzzle for, and that would be the upcoming budget, you know, the 2020 budget. And so I think it becomes very confusing when we start to talk over two years. And it's sort of, you know, OMB sees it that way because the mechanics of how the city balances the budget is they what's known as roll the money from the current year into next year. So, for example, they try to do some savings. They have revenue estimates. You know, revenue comes in a little higher than expected. Um, they draw down on reserves and then they use that money at the end of the year to prepay expenses in the following year. And all of this is very confusing, um, but because of that, the, the oh, I think the budget folks are thinking always in two years, but have started also talking about it in that way, which makes it really hard for everybody else to really like nail down exactly what the story is and forces you to kind of go back to the numbers. Um, so, so one of the big themes here is, and you got at this in the intro and in the data point is, how much de Blasio is increasing city spending during his tenure. Uh, he seems to not be concerned about this, Yoav. I mean, you know, he sort of downplays the idea that he's spending too much, but we've seen the budget increase basically, you know, almost by a third, by by more than 25% since he came into office, and it's going to hit somewhere around $92, $93 billion for the operating budget. But he doesn't seem concerned about that. Well, you know, um, because of the the good economy, he hasn't really had to to be too concerned about it. Uh, he's been very fortunate. Uh, the city's been very fortunate uh, that he hasn't had to make those tough decisions that uh, you know get part part of the community very angry and upset at at the mayor for it. So um, you know, revenue has been going up, and 
He has instituted a number of, of measures that, that he considers savings, and um, as, as has been discussed out there, some, some of those are more real than others. Uh, he finally instituted a hiring freeze last year, uh, and that has led to over $100 million in savings, I believe. So, um, And then he's correct that, that some of the reserves are technically at historic highs. I, I'm not sure if you take it as a percentage of right. the spending that, that that's accurate, but he's he's doing a little bit at least. Right. Let's talk about this. I mean, he's claiming that, um, you know, he instituted his first program to eliminate the gap, you know, a, a certain type of savings program that the that mayors have used for a long time and he dismissed when he came into office for a different type of savings program that's less aggressive. Now he he puts a peg in place where basically, again, he doesn't set a target across the board at agencies, but he has his budget office give agencies certain target numbers. He says they came in even over what they were planning to do. Um, But are these savings real? I mean, it's hard to get excited when you set a low target for savings and then you say, voila, we have surpassed the low target that we Mm -hmm. set ourselves, right? Um, You know, the the... So I think it's worth just to, to step back for a second. Okay. You know, the PEG program, this sort of tradition of finding savings, has been part of the budget crisis since at least the fiscal crisis. And the reason is because historically, and this is still true now, um, expenditures are always outpacing revenues, right? So we always have what's known as the structural budget gap. Um, and there's always the need to figure out how to balance next year's budget and the one after that and the one after that. And the PEG has been a tool. And so what's different about the PEG versus what de Blasio has done in the past is it's been mandatory for all agencies to meet a savings target um, implement, you know, called upon by the mayor. Um, whereas in the past, de Blasio came into office saying, no, we're not doing that in the first term. And then eventually he said, yes, OK, now we're going to do savings, but I'll call it a citywide savings plan and it will be voluntary. Um, and then, you know, it's sort right, of commissioners moved. have to and their and their budget officers at their agencies have to come up with voluntary area ways to save. And a lot right. of those wind up being reestimates. Raising revenue is is right. technically a way to do that, uh, and, which and, you know, that's fine. shouldn't and that count. Be maybe appropriate. Well, it could be appropriate. Right. I mean, if you're like, you know, you look at your your licenses or permits for things and you can say, OK, we haven't raised the rate in 10 years. Our costs have gone up. Might be appropriate to raise that. Or there's some, you know, if you increase enforcement to generate more revenue, I mean, that could be OK, too. I don't I wouldn't disagree with that at all. Yeah. What I would say is that shouldn't be counted towards your agency's savings, right? You might be bringing in more, I don't know. To me, you've got to figure out ways. It's about efficiency. It's not about bringing in more revenue. Well, that's the fundamental point, right? It is about efficiency, and that's not what we have seen under the de Blasio administration. So to be sure, I do want to say they've done some good stuff on that. They've got this, like, unit at OMB that's concentrating on the really tough stuff, like, across city agencies, and that's really great work and should continue, Right. Um, But for the most part, the kind of discipline of quarter after quarter, commissioners are thinking about how to be more efficient and streamline stuff and call the low-hanging fruit and sort of see how it can improve. That kind of ethos that was there um, under the regular pegs and prior mayors is sort of gone. And so they announced this peg in January with this great fanfare, and yet what we see is more like the regular plans we had from de Blasio with these re-estimates and savings from debt, which is good to do, but not really 
kind of self-funding the new needs in government because there have been a lot of new needs, right? He likes to talk about his new spending and his new investments, but none of that has been funded by an agency saying, okay, we're going to start this new program and we can shift resources from this other program that we don't think works as well or this program is now replacing. Right. It, it, it's not what you think of as traditional belt tightening. And um, if, if, if I'm reading this budget correctly. I mean, obviously, uh, service reductions, you want those to be kind of the, the, the last option. But if I'm looking at this right, I only see uh, 11 across the whole city. Uh, one example is uh, the New York Public Library is going to eliminate DVDs uh, from its collection. Um, and I'm not even sure that's a good idea. Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> but that's what they're listing as a service reduction yes. that will save a little bit of money. Yeah. Right. The council will restore. The mayor, yeah, there's your budget fight for the year. Yeah. The, the, the mayor talked about coming in at over $900 million of quote-unquote savings over the two years. But when asked for specifics on that, the budget director, Melanie Hartzog, said something along the lines of that the, uh, the efficiencies of the PEG were really about $200 million. Mm-hmm. And so – the mayor, right, yeah, but again, put that in context, right? Because it's it's a ninety billion dollar budget, and you two a hundred million in a year. So you're talking about less than one percent of your budget is coming from efficiency. Yeah, on and, an enterprise that is almost a hundred billion dollars. And and so there's that, and then there's this hiring freeze you mentioned. They have padded the expected number of employees. I mean, they've increased the headcount as CBC has kept very careful track of and lots of of news publications have highlighted. They've increased the city headcount tremendously. He says he's okay with that. He's explained that, you know, he's about- (laughs) 35,000 positions, right? So it's 12%. Investing, you know, the mayor's, you know, big about investing in the city and investing in the city workforce. He also sees city employment as, you know, sort of a middle-class jobs path and, and there's something to that certainly. But- He's increased the city headcount tremendously, and even doing that, they've padded those numbers so significantly that they can now say, we're not doing a lot of this hiring, and then count that as savings. Uh, did, I guess I guess where I'm going with this is, the, back to that $200 million, did he even outline what programs are being cut a bit? He mentioned something about the, at the DOE is, is, the, is the biggest area of mm-hmm. savings. Did he? Was there any? Are there any real specifics here in terms of what they're cutting, or it's such nibbling around the edges? Um, I think I think it's a lot of that. Um, yeah, I, I think the hiring freeze and the debt service payments um, are the kind of things that are recurring. I, I think some of the other kind of budget cuts uh, that the agencies, not all of them, are I, I think are recurring. So they're going to have to look for new stuff uh, the next time around. And for example, he mentioned um, in the renewal school program, they're going to stop doing some of the extended day teaching and that will provide a savings and that the DOE, I think, was something along the lines of $100 million of the of the $900 million in expected savings. So uh, there is some very interesting sort of headlines that he's going for, but when we dig deeper here, you know, as is often the case when we, when we dig deeper into budget numbers or, or what city government is promising, you know, there's a, there's a lot more nuance here. Let's talk reserves for a second. I CB- go there. Go, go, please. You know, so part, I mean, so we should put it in the context, right, that we know the economy is still growing. So, no, we're not calling, there's no call for massive budget cuts to, you know, to balance the budget because it's not needed if your revenue base is still growing. However... 
um, things are projected to slow down. And they, some economists are saying that the, the likelihood of a recession is now increasing, right? And, I mean, what goes up must come down. We sort of all naturally know this. This is the longest economic expansion. Something is going to happen. Whether it happens in de Blasio's term or not, we don't know. But given the expansion that's already happened in the city budget, now is the time to sort of, you know, um, stop growing and start balancing spending against greater savings. So they're right. They do deserve credit because there is this retiree health insurance trust fund that the de Blasio people could sort of could have dispensed with and said, you know, this was a Bloomberg thing. We're not going to do this. You know, we're not too concerned about the city's liability for health insurance for retirees. But they said, no, no, you know, it's important. We're not going to take the money out. We're going to put more money in. And that's important. But that money should go to this $100 billion liability, which we've talked about on this show before. So then you're really talking about budget reserves of $1.25 billion annually. And that's not going to do much for you when things start happening because the, the truth is you don't know how fast your revenues will be impacted in a recession. It could be a slow onset and a softening, or there could be a very quick decline. It'll be very hard to manage. So what needs to happen now, I think to the extent that they realize any more revenues in, you know, from now until the end of the year, because the typical game is sort of there's a little more tucked away there. The council will make some adjustments, will be able to, to, to fund some of its own priorities, um, and then they'll figure out what to roll the next year. The council should fund from within the current pot whatever it needs, um, and then all the extra revenue should go into building those reserves. He didn't. He's not. He hasn't added any money from last year's um, budget reserves, and he said in the prelim. He said in the executive, "I feel good about where those numbers are." But the city budget is expected to keep growing. Do you have any any sense of why he won't? He isn't adding. Is that just sort of setting it up as a little bit of a fight with the council, and then they can both sort of win, or do we not have? Do we not really know that maybe the money's just not? there for him to do that because he wants to spend whatever's available? I, I think that's largely what it is. He, he's got a, a lot of initiatives that he wants to fund, and any money you set aside for the reserves, you can't spend on a program. Uh, obviously, the comptroller and, and other fiscal watchdogs have been urging him to do more, and, and per, perhaps surprisingly, the council is seems to be taking up that fight too and, and saying... They want an additional, I believe it's $250 million set aside. It's, it's an interesting uh, issue for the council to take up because <laughs> there is no uh, constitu constituent group out there who's going to be rallying. This yeah. table. Just the, 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 the people at this table. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Um. Well, so, so let's... So speaking of the council, it seems like just like last year, the council made one of its priorities put away more in savings. Mm -hmm. Again maybe similar to the mayor and his savings program, it's a good talking point. You you want to be able to say, look, we're making all these investments and we're also pushing for more savings. So the council, Corey Johnson and others can say, we want $250 more million put aside. The mayor hasn't done it yet. And they get to like do $200 million for the adopted and everybody, you know, the council says, we pushed the mayor to do more savings. The mayor says, you know, we, we wanted to do it all along and then now we're doing it. Um, what else... The council was seemed frustrated that the mayor didn't really take much of their preliminary budget response into uh, his executive budget. Are there other things sort of coming up that seem to be forming the basis of final negotiations between the council and the mayor? Um, well, the council's budget response was lengthy. I actually went through the whole thing. Um, but one kind of common thread throughout was the issue of pay parity. 
Uh, and the most obvious example is in the nonprofit uh, early childhood providers who are being paid uh, far less than the, the DOE's uh, pre-K and other early childhood teachers. And the issue is um, before the mayor expanded pre-K and 3K, these nonprofits were doing the, the heavy lift with, with teaching young kids. And now that the DOE has expanded its own programs, these programs are, these nonprofits are taking a big hit because the teachers are leaving to get a higher salary at the DOE. And uh, one argument is that the only way to stop that is to raise the salaries at, at the nonprofits. Uh, the, I, I think the mayor, in, in theory, supports that. I'm, I'm not sure if he's come out directly on this issue, but because this, it's not a city contract, the city has kind of been hands-off on that issue. Yeah, I think he did something for those providers three or four years ago, fairly early on. He sort of did a, a bump, um, and, and he's been hesitant to do it again. I think he sees it as a fairly significant recurring cost. Um, which it is. Which it is, which it is right. Uh, you're talking, I think, hundreds of millions of dollars annually, uh, perhaps, depending on where they might set those levels. But those early childhood educators are threatening to strike. I mean, we, you know, by the time some people listen to this, that could be happening. Um, they threaten to strike later this week. So that's certainly going to be very interesting. The mayor didn't include any changes from prelim to executive on that front. It does seem like, talk about a constituency, right? I mean, right. that's where and you have- this is his signature program, yeah, right? So. I'm a little, I'm, I'm a little confused on that one. Um, the council- in its statement that was released by the speaker, the finance committee chair, and the capital budget subcommittee chair right after the mayor's executive budget said they were disappointed um, that their a lot of their priorities weren't included, especially pay parity. And we should also say pay parity also goes to like um, lawyers for immigrant defenders, uh, assistant district attorneys. You know, it's not just the early ch childhood educators, but it's a lot of folks who in different ways get paid by the city in some way um, that the their salaries have not kept up pace. But then there's also the council said something along the lines of, you know, um, aspects of like the social safety net funding. And I asked the council spokesperson, can you know, can you just provide sort of a list of what these things are? And they pointed back to what you said, the, the long preliminary budget response, but they pointed me to the to the page in it. And it's a wide variety of things they're saying the mayor has not an added funding for that they want to see funding for. Lots of things from more funding, you know, $2 million or $3 million more for senior centers, cultural funding, uh, tree stump removal is on this list, all sorts of things. And that's where you'll get into mm -hmm. the total is about $150 million that they're asking for. And that's real money, you know. So that'll be, I think, uh, part of where right, and this discussion the, heads the, to. Yeah, that's right. And those are the council priorities before we even get to the member items, right, which have now been like growing and flowing in both the operating budget and also in capital. Um, but, you know, again, so they're, they're going to sort of come up with this pot of money to fund this stuff. And really, you know, if the, the agency should be looking at that and if they're going to take up any of these programs, they should do that by funding and, and finding the resources within the agency budget rather than, than expanding and using revenues. Um, but, the, the, you know, the, I just want to make one more comment on the social safety net stuff because the council has pressed for this, stuff, you know, these supports historically. And that's what's most vulnerable, right? It's these services that are most vulnerable in a recession. And so, you know, it's not 
being fiscally prudent and sort of um, restraining the growth in your spending is is not and managing, of course, your operations to get them more efficient and effective. It's not about being stingy. It's about sort of recognizing you're providing services that people depend on and that you need to provide to residents to stay competitive. And if you have a $5 billion revenue loss in a year, because that's what the experience has been previously in the city, those services are going to get hit. And so it's your last line of what you want to do in a peg, but you get there eventually when the cuts are that, you know, when the revenue loss is that severe. So we've got just a few more minutes here. Um, Yoav, I want to ask you any, I want to get us to the capital budget for just a minute, but I want to see if you have anything else you want to mention on the sort of expense side or the broader budgeting picture. I'll just remind everybody, we're talking with Yoav Gonin of The City, a new news publication that uh, has joined the fold with a great team. Yoav, of course, you probably know from his work at the New York Post, where he's covered City Hall for a while before moving to The City. Um, And we've got a couple more minutes with Yoav on the mayor's executive budget, which he outlined at $92.5 billion for the coming fiscal year and will now be the subject of some more city council hearings and negotiations and then is also accompanied by a 10-year uh, the update to the 10-year capital strategy which came in at 117 billion dollars over 10 years we'll get back to that in a minute anything else on the sort of operating side or the general budget picture i know i wanted to touch on thrive nyc for a second but anything else you wanted to raise well i, I think it'll just be interesting that the the council's putting itself in kind of an interesting position by both arguing for a substantial increase in, in programmatic spending while also uh, in, insisting on fiscal prudence. So that's kind of a, a tough balancing right. act. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how they how they frame their argument. And as Maria mentioned, there could very well be more you know higher revenues coming in than estimated, and all of a sudden there's that money that can be spent, or it could be used in reserves, or maybe it'll be so much that they they can do. But it is- Reserve. Both, right. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> anything else on the operating side you wanted to mention, Maria? No, I think we've covered the base. Thrive NYC has become obviously a huge focus of the press and critics and, you know, questions around, of course, it's high profile. The mayor has called it a national model. His wife, it's her, you know, major focus. Um, and so it lends itself to a lot of scrutiny because of how they're touting it and the fact that it's the first lady's major initiative. Um, but it's also not that big of an expenditure. I mean, it's, you know, at around $200 million a year of a $92 billion budget, you know, that shouldn't be blown out of proportion. But of course, that's still real money. And they're saying it's supposed to be going to help people. Where's Where does that stand? Well, I, I, I think everyone agrees it, it's a very important issue to tackle. There's no disagreement on that. I I think the main stumbles of the program have been uh, that it it hasn't been as transparent about, you know, what, which programs it's funding. And even when those programs seem to have, you know, a few stumbles, uh, they're not really acknowledged up front. And eventually the the press finds out and and, uh, then it looks like you're hiding something. Um, they also haven't been that clear about how well they're tracking some of the programs and outcomes, right? I mean, you know, and, and some of it gets very tricky as as they've tried to argue about, you know, privacy issues and you can't always follow up with the people who call your hotline asking for help with mental health services. There are There's a lot of nuance there, but they clearly were also struggling to figure out their tracking of whether some of these programs are working. 
Uh, that's true. And, and then the other issue is that, you know, when you're measuring someone's mental health, I mean, it, it, it's a tricky thing to measure. And it's also something, you know, it, it takes a long time. You're not going to you're not going to see immediate change. Um, but that program, they, they announced that it, they were uh, cutting it by $9 million in the current fiscal year. It's not exactly true. It, it looks like uh, one of the programs, the Mental Health Service Corps, um, which hires clinicians and, and puts them uh, throughout the city, uh, behavioral uh, health clinicians, um, they had a tough time recruiting and, and retaining folks. And I think they just basically weren't able to spend all the money they were given. Mm -hmm. So it's not really a cut. It's just an underspending. Mm -hmm. And then as far as future cuts, they're basically saying uh, we're looking into it and we'll let you guys know in June. So they haven't really, actually, technically haven't really announced any cuts to the program yet. They might in June just, just to satisfy okay. some of the criticism. And, and the spending is at this point projected to grow. It's not even It's not even projected to sort of stay about where it is in this current fiscal year, this is still part of the ramp up. You know, they were they were getting to roughly two hundred fifty million dollars a year and they're they're still ramping up towards that. I think that's I think that's about where it's gonna be in fiscal twenty unless they make any changes before the adopted budget. Mm -hmm. Capital? Capital. Hundred seventeen billion over ten years. This was this was kind of a so you know, a little bit of an issue where the mayor put out the preliminary draft of this and they clearly were not putting out a realistic draft, right? They had basically like left a, they left the whole jail uh, building program out of it, and then now that's there. So there was a big jump from the earlier draft to now this executive budget plan. This, <laughs> this drives me nuts. I mean, I, I, I out of all because it's unrealistic because they're putting so too much money infrastructure. I mean, the infrastructure is a very real problem. Obviously, not only in New York City but throughout the country. It's you know, it's not news to anybody what I'm saying. So, but isn't it incumbent upon us to have a very real plan for what we are going to do to invest in our capital our assets? And so, what I you know what I've seen is this capital plan just grow and grow and grow beyond the point of uh, you know at which agencies actually have the capacity to execute the work. And so what we get is this just big balloon plan where everything is thrown in there and we have no idea what the priorities are. We have actually no idea, you know, what the outcome should be. I mean, the jails is sort of like your discrete example where mm -hmm. we know what the plan is. It's been folding it into the capital plan. We'll know what that builds. In roads, we sort of know how many lane miles DOT will expect to repave and reconstruct with that money. Um, in schools, we know a little about something. And then the rest of the plan, we have virtually no details to know. Is this getting a state of good repair? Why is this investment worthwhile? Why should we, you know, expand these assets or reconstruct them? Why should this be replaced? I mean, we just don't have that detail. And so it to me, it's, it's maddening <laughs> it's because bad, yeah. it's so important and you sort of don't have the right level of information to assess it. And when Corey Johnson came in as speaker, he created this new subcommittee on the capital budget, which is seem to have minimal impact on how the mayoral administration is doing its business. When you started at the city, uh, you went right out of the gate. You had a, an expose on capital budgeting. Um, so you want to sort of recap that and connect it? Yeah. I mean, w one of the things that I, that I wanted to look into uh, when I started at the city was uh, the capital budgeting. I didn't have too much of an idea uh, of it, and I actually came to the CBC uh, for a little help in, in 
learning how to read it. And, and I gave you all the same speech I just gave now. <laughs> <laughs> I was surprised to learn that, that it's actually very hard to read mm -hmm. the capital budget. Um, but in, in, in my kind of trying to learn about it, I did find out that uh, there's one or two agencies that track their projects uh, publicly online. The Parks Department is one of them. Uh, the sc School Construction Authority is the other one. And in looking in the Parks Department budget, I realized that um, the cost for, for building bathrooms and, and parks, which people had kind of freaked out about when, when it hit the $2 million mark, was now averaging closer to $4 million, I think $3.6 million. And uh, I'm not I'm not sure I've gotten to the very bottom of, of why that is, but there's clear, clearly procurement issues, issues of bureaucracy and oversight, and um, everyone seems to acknowledge it, but it but nobody seems to be taking the lead in, in trying to address it. That's absolutely right, and you know the the parks issue is interesting because that capital budget tracker is actually fairly decent for mm -hmm. the parks department and came about because of council pressure because parks projects are one of the things that get a lot of member items for the council, and they've expressed their frustration about, you know, I funded this five years ago. Why hasn't it been built yet? It's a bathroom rehab, right? It shouldn't take this long. But there, you're, you're absolutely right. There's no, you know, apart from the sort of what are we spending on, there's been no focus the way there has been, say, at the MTA to say, wait a second, how, you know, what is the city's ability to execute these projects and do it well and do it quickly and do it cost effectively? The city hasn't had like a, a citywide task force or any kind of effort focusing on that since, you know, more than 10 years ago. Well, that's where I think that city council subcommittee was supposed to come in or could still come in. Um, Maria hit on this, but I'll just say, you know, the, the sort of some of the big buckets of this capital plan expanding school capacity and school facilities um, is is outlined at more than 16 billion of the 117 billion over 10 years roads and bridges affordable housing we didn't mention and that's a, that's a big piece of the capital budget plan um, and then they added in the mayor and his team added in from the preliminary budget to the executive about nine billion and and for the jails. And that obviously is a controversial topic about where these new jails will be built and how big and, you know, community input and all of that uh, to get off of Rikers Island. Um, he says that the $8.7 is what they expect and that to be it. And I think we'll all be watching whether that prediction comes true because that's, that's a pretty big marker to put out there to say $8.7 is going to be the cost of these jails and that's it. I mean, the, the chances of overrun there are probably pretty big. Yeah, there, there's been estimates uh, from between uh, 10 and 12 billion out there already. So, um, But in that case, at least they got design build authorization mm -hmm. specifically for that. So there's kind of a better shot that it might actually stay within those parameters. Yeah, no, no, we don't know. I'm just right. saying it's something for us yeah. to watch, certainly. And this idea of sort of, as CBC, I think, has put it, you know, sort of right sizing and, and clarifying the capital budget is certainly mm -hmm. something uh, to keep an eye on. And of course, this is a 10 year capital strategy that gets re upped. Every two years, right? right? So, you know, the mayor is going to have one more uh, rehab of the capital budget, and then it'll be on to somebody else um, to to put their imprint on it. Um, I think we've we've done it. I think uh, I think that's good for a discussion of the executive budget. Anything else you wanted to throw in there? I guess I just wanted one one more note on the capital budget because I sat in some of the city council hearings uh, on the preliminary budget. And quite a few agencies uh, were questioned about the council for basically budgeting the capital funding for the first 
five, six years and then having a significant drop off at the end. And it was striking how many agencies have done that. And I'm not sure if, if that's uh, deliberate to to keep, you know, the it's already at 116, 17 billion. If it's to keep that low or if it's a recognition that they're not going to spend all the money up front and they'll just push it to the later years. Right. But it's still not the best way to do a 10-year no, and, that, and, and that practice has been going on basically as long as I've been at CBC. So it's sort of the way things are. All right. So that's an overview of what's in the mayor's executive budget, where the city council stands, where the Citizen Budget Commission stands, some things to watch for coming up. Yoav Gonan of The City, thank you for joining us. And stay tuned to CBC, Gotham Gazette, The City, and of course elsewhere for coverage of budget season as it unfolds. And we will be back on What's the Data Point with another episode soon. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Bye. Bye.